Support for this program is provided by Chevron, the human energy company. This is Politico Energy. I'm Josh Siegel. On Wednesday, the Biden administration announced what it called the most ambitious auto pollution rules in history, with the goal of accelerating automakers' shift to electric vehicles and dramatically driving up EV sales over the next decade. The Environmental Protection Agency says these new ambitious pollution standards could have massive environmental, financial, and public health benefits for the country. And they come more than a year after the federal government began offering incentives for industries to invest in clean energy. However, by pushing the auto industry to transition faster, President Joe Biden could face legal and political risk, backlash from unwilling consumers, and complicated questions about China's dominance of electric vehicle supplies. So today we chat with Politico's Alex Guillen about the details and impact of EPA's historic climate rules, along with the potential challenges. It's Thursday, April 13th. This is probably one of the biggest, if not the biggest, regulatory action President Biden is going to take in his term in office. What we're looking at is a rule that by 2032 would ratchet down tailpipe emissions requirements to the point where EPA estimates that automakers would have to make two out of every three vehicles they sell electric, which of course have zero tailpipe emissions and thus would balance out and average out with the gasoline-burning cars they're still selling. So that's two out of three. At the moment, it's about 6% sales nationally, so that's obviously a very big boost over the next decade. But EPA argues that it is feasible between a combination of the industry turning in that direction and uh, other government investments in electric vehicles in recent years. Yeah, let's get into that point. So how does the administration envision these rules working in tandem with the EV tax credits and the Inflation Reduction Act to achieve its aggressive EV sales goals? Yeah, so the Inflation Reduction Act did include a $7,500 tax credit for electric vehicles, but it did set certain requirements for supply chains to be domestic instead of foreign, since a lot of materials and parts for electric vehicles come from China and elsewhere. So that is still playing out, but it does look like quite a few EVs at the moment, at least, are not going to qualify for the full credit, but we're going to get final numbers next week, I believe. Over time, that's probably going to change. Automakers are investing quite a lot of money into mining and manufacturing for electric vehicles in the U.S. So, you know, in the next few years, we're talking about billions of dollars going into plants and states across the country. So more and more cars are probably going to start qualifying for that credit. It's also worth mentioning, you know, the IRA and also the bipartisan infrastructure law from 2021, both included billions and billions of dollars for things like charging infrastructure and other programs that are going to benefit EVs. So there's a lot of, frankly, unprecedented government money going into this kind of thing. And EPA said that kind of work did help it to write a stronger rule than it would have written absent that legislation. Interesting. So, of course, many environmental groups are welcoming these new EPA rules, but how are automakers in industry reacting? Do automakers who are already moving in this direction toward EVs see the targets set out in in these rules as achievable? And if not, what are some of the hurdles? 
Yeah, I think they're taking a close look at the details of the rule, and this is a very detailed rule. There's two rules, actually, and together they add up to over 1,400 pages. So it's going to take a minute for everybody to get through all of that. But what is notable is that, yeah, automakers, most automakers are starting to trend toward EVs. Some of them have already pledged to stop making gasoline-powered cars by 2035. So a lot going on here. They're going to be looking at, yes, feasibility for sure. There's some questions that go into that, including things like consumer choice, what Americans want. They've been trending toward larger vehicles for the last decade as opposed to smaller sedans. And so you're starting to see more electric SUVs and that kind of thing. Pickup trucks coming onto the market for it, obviously making a big push for its F-150 Lightning, the electric version. So there's a lot going on there. They're going to take a look at all the details and It sounds like automakers want to work with EPA on a rule that's going to be feasible. So whether that means changing this proposal in the final rule, we'll have to see. Got it. And legal challenges, of course, expected with these EPA rules from potentially Republican states, maybe the oil and ethanol industries. So what are some differences, though, with this anticipated legal fight compared to similar challenges we've seen over EPA's regulating of power sector emissions? Yeah, so last year, the Supreme Court ruled against EPA on its power plant climate rule. And basically, it said, you're using an obscure part of the Clean Air Act to do something you've never done before. And we're not on board with that unless Congress gives you really explicit permission. So a similar argument is being made right now against a predecessor rule to this one we're talking about. This rule that's in court right now covers vehicles through 2026. And so what's happening now is we're seeing Republican-led states, we're seeing the oil and ethanol industries argue that EPA is sort of similarly trying to transform the transportation sector. But a lot of legal experts say between the auto rules and the power plant rules, it's comparing apples and oranges. There's a couple of reasons. One, EPA has been regulating tailpipe emissions for over 50 years, and it's been regulating greenhouse gases from tailpipes for about 15 years. So You know, it has a a pretty established history on this kind of thing. It's also relying on one of the key parts of the Clean Air Act, a section that Congress wrote and wrote very strongly so that EPA would have a lot of power, as opposed to what EPA's power plant rule was based on, which was a, a somewhat more obscure, rarely used part of the Clean Air Act. So, you know, there's a few differences here that legal experts are saying are key. That case is playing out, so we're going to have to see how it goes because the courts have not fully defined this kind of issue yet. And there's still some gray areas, so we'll have to see how it plays out. Also, on Wednesday, a federal judge in North Dakota blocked the Biden administration's new Waters of the U.S. rule in 24 states. That's now the second preliminary injunction against the broad new regulation in the month since it went into effect. Between the two rulings, the country will now be split in half, with 24 states subject to the Biden rule and 26 states now operating under the prior regime for determining which streams and wetlands should be subject to federal Clean Water Act protections. But it's unclear how significant of an impact the preliminary injunction will have since the Biden administration said its rule simply codifies the status quo of how decisions were already being made on the ground. For more news on energy and the environment, subscribe to our free newsletter at politico.com slash power dash switch. And subscribe to Politico Pro to read our morning energy newsletter. Some of the music in today's show was composed by the mysterious Breakmaster Cylinder. I'm Josh Siegel, and we'll see you back tomorrow. Support for this program is provided by Chevron. 
the human energy company. Chevron is developing renewable diesel made with biofeedstock that can help reduce the life cycle carbon emissions of heavy-duty transport fuels today. Learn more at chevron.com.